Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. And don't forget, guys, follow me on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. No TikToks, no Instagrams, none of that. Twitter only, Miami Marlins underscore UK. And this is the Tuesday episode of Locked On Marlins. Delayed. It's Monday's episode. Delayed to Tuesday. And I have the goat in town. Craig Mish is joining me. Craig, how are we doing? I'm doing well, Peter. What's going on? It's great to see you again. Great to be on one of your episodes. Obviously, I love all the work that you do. And so it's an honor for me to be on with you. Well, I appreciate it. I'm doing okay, as everyone would have seen on Twitter yesterday. Uh, my son wasn't feeling good, but he's he's shaping up better today. Um, he woke up just in time last night or this morning, UK time, to see the ninth inning and uh, the Marlins rally that fell short again. Craig, the Marlins have lost, I think, seven of eight, all of which one run games. What is going on with these fish right now? They just can't seem to kind of, I guess, get the offense kind of busted going. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. At this point, Peter, we sort of have enough data to kind of see who uh, the Marlins are. And, and look, it's, it's nice that, you know, Solaire has started hitting a little bit. It looks like maybe he's breaking out of it, Mm. but realistically speaking, you're just not going to have eight guys hot at once. And so, you know, Peter as hot as Jazz was. Of course, at some point, he's going to cool down. Sanchez started off hot. He's He seems okay, but he's cooled down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So honestly, Peter, even if Avicel Garcia and Soler get hot, odds are there are going to be pockets of this lineup that are not going to be hot at the same time. And, and that's sort of the dynamic, I think, that we're headed to here in 2022. Maybe the offense is a little bit better than it was last year. I, I, I mean, certainly we can try and make a case for that. But in the end... Uh, you know, they're still going to have to win with pitching and they're going to have to close out games in the ninth inning. And thus far, it's been very inconsistent in terms of that very up and down really has. I want to ask you specifically about the ninth. It has been a problem inning. It was a problem inning, I think, last year, particularly in the early going when they were still in it. It's been a problem inning this year around multiple guys have been tried. Multiple guys have blown saves. I want to turn back the clock. So the offseason, you may have talked about it on your own show. Do you have any insight for us around whether the Marlins were targeting any of the big name guys out there? Was there any kind of buzz? It felt like Kim kind of snoozed on the market. And she kind of actively said that, I think, in public that, hey, we're working on the offense. We'll get to the, the relievers after. But anything further you can kind of share in terms of offseason targets that maybe didn't happen? Yeah, it, it, honestly, Peter, I never I never heard a single name of, of any of the names that were out there as far as free agency is concerned. So. Mm. I, I mean, I, I think Kim would probably tell you that that comment that you made about snoozing, like I feel the same way. I think she would tell you that she would take that a little bit personally. It's not that they were snoozing. They just didn't, you know, attack the main players and some mm-hmm. of them went off the board. But, you know, the, the thing that I would say, Peter, is that, it, it, and very obviously, the team that they're playing right now, what business does Arizona have uh, having Ian Kennedy and Melanson in the eighth and ninth inning? They certainly didn't need to have both of those players. And I think that most would have looked at it like, why are they getting these guys only to maybe to trade them at yeah. the deadline? So, I mean, I, I think that, and I know it seems real easy, low-lying fruit, because the Marlins are playing the Diamondbacks right now. Mm. But even the previous team that they they. Uh, faced off against in the Padres they ended up getting Rogers this kid is unbelievable in the ninth inning for them mm. so yeah it, it looks like they really didn't fully attack it the way that they should have I, I know it seems silly right now but thankfully they ended up making that trade for Scott and Sulzer what if yeah. they didn't do that I mean I don't even know who they would be throwing out there the other part of this too is is they really like Sean Armstrong and he did not work out at all and I was told going into the season that there was a chance that he could emerge as somebody 
that would be a late inning option. So, mm. Peter, there's really no easy answer for this right now. At, at this point, I, I think, in, in my opinion, they need to be fully committed going into games, not even considering who would be pitching in the ninth inning, because it still does feel like in the fourth or fifth inning, they're setting these guys up for the ninth. I, I just don't even think you can do that anymore. If there's a lefty coming up in the ninth, they have to have Oakert pitch the ninth and that's it. If it's yep. a righty, they have to have, you know, maybe it's back to bass even in the ninth inning. I know it's you know crazy at this point to think that, but it, it has got to be completely matchup based. The roles have to be completely out or they have to go out and get someone. And to my knowledge at this point, I haven't heard anything along those lines. No. Do you think, you know, there was a, a real domino effect of the, in the off season relievers, big time relievers, closer types were going for around about 5 million to 10 million. It was kind of bang, bang, bang. That seemed to be the market value. I think the Marlins are happy, comfortable paying that kind of money for a reliever or a closer at all. Do you think that's maybe half the problem is the, the ask was too high? Look, I, I mean, I think they were operating on somewhat of a budget. I think that that's fair to say because the money that they spent uh, you know, was predominantly on the hitters. And mm. and look, whether or not that could have come in a trade is unclear. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh, uh, you know, has a guy in Bednar who I think is really good. That would have been somebody that they could have potentially attacked. But, you know, the price apparently was very high on him. There was not like even a thought that he could go in a trade with Stallings or anything like that. Mm. Um, there, were, there were definitely other options to trade for. And and Peter, you know, the the, the players that they got from the Orioles – where they made that late splash to get that, I personally still do like Sulcer. And I mm-hmm. think that that could be a late inning option. It's very raw right now to think about that pitch that he threw to Alfaro, uh, you know, but, you know, it's my understanding, regardless of, of what was said, uh, that they, they told uh, him to throw that pitch yeah. <laughs> to Alfaro. So uh, as far as my understanding is concerned now, you know, again, I'll have to dig deeper into this, but it's it, it's sort of a situation where bullpens sort of figure it out, Peter. And if mm. you look at their sixth, seventh, and eighth inning, it's all been fantastic. But it does take a different kind of guy to pitch the ninth inning. And I just don't know that they have that guy on the roster. I think Don Mattingly would have preferred that. Mm. I think Mel Stottlemyre would have preferred that. But that's not the direction that they went. And now they're they're forced to have these roles. And and by the way, Peter, I have no problem with the roles, and I have no problem with the matchups. But there does come a point where if things just keep happening on the negative side, you have to fix it. You can't let yourself get into a Philadelphia Philly situation where you're blowing you know seventy eight saves over the course of a season. You can't do that. No, and that's kind of where we're at right now. They have to figure this out. If they have a lead, they they can't blow it. And and, and you know the other thing I want to add, Peter is that they're playing all these one-run games. And it's like, the woe is me. We're playing one Oh, so many one-run games. They could have got... When you don't score seven runs a game, you play in a lot of one-run games. I mean, what? there's no built that way to this. Like, this is what's going to happen all season long. Oh, yep. my gosh. Should have won. because No, you should not have won. <laughs> You're scoring three runs. You're scoring four runs. You're going to be playing in tight games. And there's always going to be somebody in the ninth inning that's going to come up with a chance to tie it. So until the offense breaks out, I don't know what it, that it will. There is no crying looking back and saying that, that you should have won some of these games. It's like, I, I find it funny that people try and find the silver linings and one run losses. It just means that you're not scoring. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> it is. Or you're throwing uh, sliders that don't slide right to the middle of the dish and Alfaro uh, sticks yeah. a three run bomb. Right. I mean, just to finally on that one point, uh, Cole Salsa, given the opportunity there, uh, he had two outs. 
Uh, like you said, I think the slider was called. It was just location was the problem. However, yeah. I, what I liked particularly was he was out straight in front of the microphones after the game, and he took that one on the chin. Like, that for me, I was, listen, it didn't go his way, mm-hmm. but I liked the fact that he came out, talked through it. You know, that's the kind of thing I like to see from a ninth inning guy. I think he maybe, like you, has the mentality, the stuff. Maybe the execution wasn't right. So I like yeah, that. Yeah, I would, I, would I, I would not lose sleep over that that player in particular, I, I think he mm-hmm. can do it. I look, I, I think as good as Bender was last season, and we were all clamoring, remember, for Bender to be the closer too, let's not forget. Yeah. Uh, I think at this point you have to kind of wonder if, if you know, one bad pitch from him and one walk, Peter, yeah, sort of snowballs him, you know, like it really does. And it doesn't matter what inning it's in, by the way, if he's in mm-hmm. pitching this. It, it seems like once he puts a guy on, you automatically think, oh boy, you know, but when he doesn't, it seems like he, you know, he could get out of a clean inning. I just, I don't want Bender coming in with, with runners on. And I, and I just think it's just been really hard for him to have clean innings when he does have clean innings. It seems like he is perfectly fine, but I'm with you. you. Know, to, to think that he should be closing games on a, on a team that's trying to win 80 games or 85 games. I, I just, yeah, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen for him. All right, then, guys, just pausing the action here briefly to remind you this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NLF futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. No, closer by default is how I describe it. And it was given opportunity and it was just way too much harem scarum. There was way too many runners, too many double plays needed. There was just a lot of traffic, way too much traffic for a ninth inning yeah, yeah, I mean, remember, Peter, too, I mean, a couple of years ago, they, they, and they, they've had these guys who they've signed that have done a good job for them. Mm. They're all real old dudes who are pretty much out of baseball. But, you know, they, they, they had Ziegler. Ziegler was good for a period of time. They used him in the right spots. Yeah. They had Romo. Romo was good for a period of time. They used him in the right spots. Brandon Kinsler, not even pitching anymore, but mm-hmm. they used him in the right spots. They, they didn't even do that at all this year. It's like they didn't even bring in just one old salty veteran. <laughs> that, that could that could, Even if the guy can't get outs, could talk to some of the guys about how to do it, you know? Yeah, like, and for I think sure. that may have been... We would have laughed at it at the time had they gone out and done that and said, oh, my gosh, they're getting Ian Kennedy. What's the point of this? But if it looks like hindsight on, on that one was the right move. It does. Okay, let's change gears slightly on this one. I want to talk about the starting pitches and the rotation. Eliezer went last night. It was what I would describe as a standard Eliezer Hernandez um, start, to be honest with you. Gave up a home run, gave up a couple of runs, didn't go deep into the game. Um, you know, what? They're heading back for a homestand, a 25-year, I think, anniversary weekend this weekend, um, I believe, if my schedule's right. I may be incorrect, but nevertheless, they're heading home. Do you? How do you see this playing out? There's been a lot of buzz for Max Meyer. Eddie Cabrera equally is kind of stretching himself out as well in AAA. So listen, they've got Eddie, they've got Max. Max has obviously been healthy and around all year. He looks next man up, in my opinion. Do you think the Marlins pull the trigger on that this weekend? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Believe me, Peter. I'm asking. Uh, you're asking. I, I mean, it's like to think that I'm not asking these questions, <laughs> including before this podcast. <laughs> you know, like it. I mean, it, it's just because I'm not saying anything doesn't mean that I'm not asking. Mm. 
they just don't seem to have a sense of urgency with this. I, yeah. I gotta be honest. They really don't. I don't, I'm not really sure why, but we, I think we could all agree at this point that if, if, if we're not, if we're pounding this drum for Meyer this hard and it's not happening, that they must have some other plan, whether it is you know two weeks from now, three weeks from now, a month from now, I, I don't know what it is. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, but if, if we want to at least just have the real conversation at this point, it, it has to be, okay, there has to be an alternative. You, you can't just keep doing this and expect a different result. He has the sixth highest ERA in Major League Baseball for pitchers who have made six starts. And three of those pitchers, Peter, are on teams you do not expect to compete. Yeah. Patrick Corbin is one of those. I have no beef with that whatsoever. Uh, they have another pitcher on Washington, a Don he's, his ERA is like seven. You do not expect them to compete. Another one is on the reds. Mm -hmm. So, so really it feels like those teams are 2018 Marlins where they were, the Marlins were just throwing guys out there to get their heads beat in every single five days. Right. Like Hector Noesi, it didn't matter. We're just going to keep starting Noesi. His ERA is going to be 15. It doesn't matter. But on a team that's trying to compete, what are you doing at the very least, at the very least, Peter, they should be trying someone else. The, the one thing that, you know, really struck me looking in last night, where is Oakert in the first inning? You know, where's Tanner Scott in the first inning against all these lefties Milwaukee's on Sunday. What do you think they're going to do, Peter? They're yeah. going to have Christian Yelich. They're going to have Colton Wong. This dude, Rowdy Telez is just smashing every right-handed. I mean, they have got to at least try to open a game with a lefty or something. And then maybe, and then maybe bring in Eliezer or Poteet or someone else. But to expect a different result at this point, they're going to lose to Milwaukee Sunday too. Like it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess Woodruff hasn't pitched well and I, I think he's lined up. So I suppose there's a shot of that, but mm. it, it is a little baffling to me that they wouldn't at least attempt something different to try after, after the fifth start, Peter, that he made. Yeah. Now that we're at the sixth start, I mean, to, to do it at this point wouldn't make any sense at all. And they'll look back at the end of the season on, on one game or two games if they could have got in the postseason. And you and I will, will look back and say, wow, like if they would have tried something different, who knows? Maybe mm. the result would have been different. It's an interesting one. You make a really interesting point there because, you know, what we've heard is the analytics are playing into the way the lineups are constructed from the hitting side. Um, you know, where's where's the matchups from the starters? Where's the opener? Where's the, you know, what's the computer saying there? Because, you know, we're all losing our minds that Jazz is being sat when he's scorching hot. So was Jesus. But Eliezer has not been scorching hot at all. The lineup stacked full of lefties. Okert's an absolute stud against lefties, no doubt. Get him, get him out there. too. Scott too, exactly. This is it. Yeah. You make a really good point. The analytics are going one way, but you know, not so much on on the bullpen usage, maybe or the starters. Yeah, and, and the other thing too is you can't necessarily like maybe the reasoning on this one is you can't do it because they still have to play. You know, a couple more days. I think they get a day off Thursday, but like you're not destroying the bullpen by trying that yesterday because no. in two days they're going to have a rest day on Thursday. If they did this the same thing on Sunday, they have a rest day coming on Thursday. So nobody wants to see openers like they had last year, like, you know, three and four times over the course of the week. I get that. And, and I know that the Marlins in general haven't really tried that all that often. But And also, by the way, Arizona could flip some of those guys. They do have some right-handed hitters. But these are not, like, really formidable guys. No. And – you know, and, and I looked at that Milwaukee lineup and I'm like, are they real? The Marlins really going to just throw him out there again on Sunday against Yelich and Telez and Wong. And uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, at least that's what I, and even Blyer, by the way, could open if, you know, when he comes back from his issue, yeah, maybe that would be a shot too. So I don't get it, Peter. I don't understand it. And as much as we want, and we all do want Max Meyer, believe Max Meyer is 
clearly one of the best five guys in the rotation. Cabrera, I think, could be as well. A little bit mm -hmm. behind Meyer in terms of being ready. Agreed. Yeah, if, if they're not going to call one of these guys up, they have to try something different. And and maybe it's starting Poteet. Maybe it is. Maybe stretching him out and then bringing in Hernandez. I don't know. But to but to literally give Hernandez another start Sunday against Milwaukee would be disturbing in the sense that it doesn't seem like they're at least attempting to try something new. Oh, boy. A Sunday game. The UK friendly. The only game I can watch all week. And... <laughs> What are they doing to me? Wait, listen, when I take my son, when I make, you know, I take my son, when I take Hayes to the games and I try to take him, I'll probably take him Saturday. You know, the first thing he's asking me is, you know, who's pitching? Yeah. You know, who, you know, who's this? You know, he looks it up. Who's he knows, you know, he's, he sees the guys that are, Oh, Pablo. Okay. You know, yeah. Lizardo, all right. You never know. Let's see. You know, it's like, Hernandez. Sure. Oh gosh. Okay. Daddy, <laughs> we, are we going to get to stay the whole game? I'm like, I don't know. We're going to have to see what happens, you know? So I think we all know at this point what they're up against. So mm. Like, just, you know, they got to try something new. They got it. I mean, good kid, Hernandez, amazing story. Rule five, they're getting all these innings out of him over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Marlon should be commended from picking a guy out of the Astros organization that they couldn't identify as a starting pitcher, a viable starting pitcher in the big yep. leagues, but not on this team, Peter. It's 2022. Last three years are out. This is not throw anyone out and get your head bashed in. This is try to win games. For sure. Completely with you. Two final topics. I'll let you get out of here. Joe Denan came up first swing of the bat. Yeah. Bomb. What a story that is for him. And uh, was quickly optioned, of course, because it was, uh, I guess, a, uh, an IL related or a COVID related incident, let's say. Yeah. But nice it's, moment it's all for COVID him. related. Everyone knows this stuff. Yeah. For sure. Nice moment, though, for Denan to be up. Um, defense looked okay, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Look, I, I think at the very least, he's got an unbelievable signature moment in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. You would have to think that he earned an opportunity at some point to play again. And, and look, they have a couple of nice stories like this in the minor leagues with Dunand and Nick Fortes behind the plate too. I mean, Fortes yeah. had that nice run last year too. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the depth is built a little bit. You have to feel good about what you saw there, but Miami is clearly up against it a little bit with some of these guys uh, on, on the COVID uh, IL, you know, they didn't have them for the Padres series. It's funny. Uh, you know, again, the revisionists are all, are saying, uh, you know, the Marlins off, oh, they had birdie or if they had Brian Anderson, you know, in that series. And, 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 and I, I would love to say to these people, and if the Padres had this guy Tatis, well, <laughs> could be a difference. You know, it's like, please move on from this stuff. Do people not understand what's happening? Will Myers. Did you see Will Myers playing that series at all against the, the Marlins too? So, yeah. uh, you know, take your losses, take your wins. This is what baseball is. Miami's up against it a little bit. And so is everybody else in baseball. That's the way it goes. All right, then, guys, pause on the action again briefly. Just to remind you, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? Come on, guys, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pockets. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Come on, use your heads. Rock Auto, it's a family business, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And the prices? They're reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. Come on. Get yourselves over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck 
write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com Floro's back in town though just speaking about IL and whatever he'll be back or was reinstated I believe yesterday yeah, he was so last night. he's yeah. not going to be straight you know, dropped into the closer role straight away I'd imagine so take time to work him back yeah, yeah, and I think he could be in high leverage almost immediately. I think mm-hmm. his velo is is a, a tick down from where it should be, which is understandable. He was a yeah. late starter, but make no mistake about it, he is going to help. Uh, I don't think he's the ninth inning answer by any means, but he can definitely solidify the bullpen because more or less four out of every five times Floro had pitched last year, he was really good. He just had those blow-up uh, appearances. But, yes, very, yeah. very confident in him for sure. Sixto Sanchez is at 75 feet. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what you want me to say there. Um, <laughs> Nothing. I, I, I think this time last year he was at 75 feet. Look, uh, look, uh, you, you, you can hope, you, you, you sh- as a fan, you should absolutely hope that at some point he's back on a big league mound. But there are so many other factors that are involved, in particular with this player yep. and, and his mentality and you know understanding what is required at the big league level. I have no clue as to what he would look like. He's coming off a major injury too, Peter. Mm-hmm. Funny people are like, oh, he should be the closer. Listen, Sixto Sanchez should be parked, if he can get there, in single A for at least a month making four or five starts in you know, extended spring. I don't even know if that's still available. And then Jupiter... And if you are f- lucky in June or July to get him to double A and triple A, it is a blessing at that yeah. point to, to count on him throwing meaningful innings this season, any earlier than like August or September would be silly. And I could not even project that. So no, take the progress as it is and and just it, count on Meyer, count on Cabrera, Brian Hoig, Honig also pitching fantastic. Let's include him in this conversation. No doubt. Maybe Garrett comes back, but six though, way off here parked one final one pablo lopez he has been one of the biggest storylines across major league baseball this year been absolutely stunning for the marlins love to see that extension talks perhaps anything rumbling anything going on with pablo lopez yeah had a conversation last week uh regarding this and he's not been offered anything it's never been discussed there was there was a notion that he had been offered some very low extension at some point i had heard that that's not even true Okay. It's never come up. Um, it, it, you know, it's interesting. As, as nice as Pablo is, and he and he is as nice as anyone, I think he's kind of betting on himself, Peter. I, yeah. I don't think that they're going to extend him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he he's... Again, I don't know. You, you'd have to ask Pablo. I don't know if he would answer this question um, you know, publicly, privately, or whatever. I, I think he's going to bet on himself, Peter. I, I think that if he can get through this season completely healthy... And, and whatever his ERA is, I mean, if, if yeah. it's even close to what he is, I mean, at the end of this season, Peter, Joe Musgrove is going to make $20 million a year. He's going to be, Peter, $20 million a year for Musgrove. What is Pablo Lopez going to make in two years on the open? Is it two years? I'm not sure. Two. If it's two or, yeah. What is, what is he worth on the open market if Pablo Lopez is making 25 starts and his ERA is in the twos? Oh boy. He's going to be a $20 million a year player. Miami's not going to be able to afford him. I, I think that's the way we're headed. I, I don't see, I don't see an extension coming. Wow. 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 I mean, that's the, the root of the question is, um, you know, it's clearly if the, the Marlins can spin something now way below that 20 mil value, but maybe over longer term, that would probably be beneficial, but well, if they're going to do it, they haven't done it yet. 
They haven't done it yet. Here we go. In Miami's defense, honestly, Peter, he hasn't been healthy. No, he hasn't. He's, you know, I I kind of understand Miami's point, but I I think it's just a confluence of this one, a confluence of events that Miami wanted to see him healthy. Pablo wants to bet on himself. And what are the odds that Pablo, if he has a Cy Young-ish season, Mm. is going to take some discount from the Marlins with one year left on his deal? Miami, you know, could probably have to just run his final season out there, you know, you know qualifying offer. Does it still exist? I think it doesn't it exist. I don't even remember what <laughs> the new CBA. I don't know. I think they took it away. I can't remember, actually. I'm like <laughs> I you. Remember. I can't remember. All I know is there's there's Major League Baseball games coming to London. That was the main thing I saw in the CBA. So Yeah, yeah I, I honestly don't know. I, I got to be clear. I don't know what Pablo is thinking future. Yeah. If I had to guess, this is a, this is a, the man that's going to bet on himself and is mm-hmm. going to hit free agency in two years. That's what I would guess. I don't think the Marlins are giving out another Sandy deal right now to him. And I don't know that Pablo would accept a Sandy deal either. So wow. I, I think that enjoy him while, while you can. And by the way, I think he's going to have a phenomenal season for them. Me too. Absolutely. Craig, we are bang out of time. Appreciate you hopping on to Locked on Marlins and uh, for joining us, sharing your insight and your and with an honest touch, as always, for that. Uh, that is us done. Myself, Peter Pratt, Craig Mish, the GOAT, out of here, Tuesday edition of Locked on Marlins. And we'll be back potentially later with episode two on Tuesday. Wait to see. If not, back Wednesday. Till then, stay safe. Speak soon.